In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Christmas week, 2021. I'm going to start this morning by asking you a question. How many of you are going to take a journey this week to see friends or family? Let's see some hands. Hope you're flying on American. <laughs> and if you're not and you're taking a long drive, we'll see you next year. <laughs> well, a lot of people travel at Christmas. And the reason being is, of course, we want to be around those we love this time of year. So we book flights where we load the car with the kids and the pets and the presents and we head off on journeys. Journeys to the places we call home. But today, even we recognize that even before the first Christmas, God's people were still making visitation journeys. On this last Sunday of Advent, we come to a gospel reading about such a journey. In fact, we're all familiar with many of the journeys around the Christmas season. We certainly know about the journey that Joseph and Mary took from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And that was, of course, to fulfill the prophecy of Micah that we heard in our Old Testament reading this morning. But many of you might not be as familiar with the journey that young Mary made months earlier, before that first Christmas day. And that's the journey that we heard read today in our gospel reading from Luke chapter 1. You know what, let me pause here. Before we go any further, let me take this opportunity right here to tell you what is traditionally I have done for decades. And I would recommend it. When we come into the week before Christmas, open your Bible, knock the dust off of it if you had not seen it in a while, and go to Luke chapter 1. And read Luke chapter 1 and 2 as we start this journey. Because I'm going to tell you something, what you will behold in those two chapters, there's nowhere else in all of Scripture where you're going to see the encounter of angels, you're going to see these miracles and these journeys that we have before us in these two chapters in the next couple of weeks. So I'd recommend that. And if you don't have a, a Bible that's probably a more modern translation that's easy to read, I'd recommend that as well. It'll keep that thing from getting so dusty. <laughs> Mario... After saying yes to God's call in this gospel today, became pregnant with the Holy Spirit before her marriage to Joseph. We know that story. But then she embarked on an unknown journey, a spiritual journey, I might add, to visit her relative Elizabeth. Elizabeth, as we heard, lived about 80 miles out of town. So she had to make quite a journey to go see her, probably three or four days, in fact. And after she arrived, she was overjoyed to find out that Elizabeth, who the angel had told her was pregnant, indeed was. Especially being so late in life, that was quite a miracle within itself. But this morning, I want us to focus on another journey that Mary made that first Christmas. It was an internal spiritual journey. A journey that changed the heart of this young girl who would give birth to our Savior that we celebrate this week. That journey, my friends, is a trust journey. It's a trust journey that we can all relate to. It's a trust journey we can all learn from as well. It's about the emotional journey that Mary traveled after learning that her life's plans, her plans, 
we're going to be changed forever. And that's a journey, my friends, that many of us have taken in our lives, have we not? It's also a journey that many of us will be called to take at some point in this life if you have not yet. You see, friends, Mary's journey is also our journey. And many around us, and maybe you, come to live a life that we probably didn't originally plan. Not the life that maybe we're living today. And that journey began with Mary's willingness to say yes to God's call upon her life. It also starts when you say yes to God's call to serve him in your life. And as you, if you know me, have often heard me say, your sole purpose, S-O-U-L, purpose of being on this earth right now is to serve and to glorify God, nothing else. Because otherwise, the moment you came to salvation and truly believed, you could have been whisked to heaven. We could be celebrating with the Lord right now up there. But you're here because you have a sole purpose on this earth, to serve him. We are all saved to serve. And the Bible tells us that God has created us for a life of good works, which he has already prepared before the foundation of the world for you to live into. And our journey, like Mary's, began with surrender when God calls us to take that call to serve him on this side. And this morning, I want us to look at three phases of that call that God makes in our lives. Three phases of the journey that Mary took and also the phases that you will take because they're no different. And then we'll look briefly at Mary's song known as the Magnificat to theologians and scholars, and as you know, I'm neither one of those. But I am a simple application teacher, and I'm going to look for a way that I think that you're going to take something from this text today maybe you haven't in the past. You see, when Mary first encountered the angel, Scripture tells us that when the angel spoke to young Mary, she said she was greatly troubled. Well, I bet so. <laughs> she was greatly troubled, and some versions say that she found discomfort. Hmm. Well, at that moment, Mary had come to the first step in her journey. And that, my friends, is the anxiety step. It's the same step that most of us take when we first hear our call. Could I say that and hear an amen from my brothers behind us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see, my friends, back in Mary's culture, as you know, a woman found pregnant outside of marriage risked being stoned to death by the people in her town. All Mary probably wanted was a nice, normal life with Joseph. But this scandalous news was going to deeply hurt the people she loved the very most. She knew Joseph wouldn't understand it, most likely. She knew her own parents would probably be crushed and scandalized by it. And let's face it, most of us are afraid of the unknown, aren't we? Most of us are afraid when we walk into something that's fully unexpected or unplanned in our lives. And all of a sudden, we're overwhelmed with fright. There was nothing about this angel's news that fit into Mary's plans, my friends. Nothing. So Mary's first reaction was understandable. She was greatly troubled. Many of us here today know exactly what that feels like to be greatly troubled. Many of us experience things in our lives that we didn't expect or plan. And our first reaction also included, just like hers, probably shock, fear, and confusion. Ever been there? Mm-hmm. 
Truth is, folks, few people are living that life today that resembles the one they originally planned. Very few. And as I look around this room this morning, I know some of your stories. And I'm willing to bet that your original plan probably didn't include that financial hardship or a loved one with special needs or a divorce or an addiction or an unseen layoff. And it certainly didn't include COVID-19, did it? I can assure you this morning as well that I had no idea that I'd be standing in Texas this morning preaching to you. That's about the last thing that I could have imagined or been on my radar because that wasn't the original flight plan God had called in my life. And I didn't fully know what that would be like when I said yes to God's call. And I can certainly relate to know how Mary felt at that moment. I can tell you also, just like her, it changed every single thing in my life, everything. And from time to time and still today, I'm still greatly troubled. And you will be too. But you'll be more troubled if you don't answer the call. Because you'll wrestle with that the rest of your life. Because why are you here? To serve and to glorify God. So Mary's first step on her unexpected spiritual journey that changed the world out of God's love for you began with an anxiety step. And although Mary started her journey in that place called anxiety, she didn't stay there. In fact, by the time we get to our verses today in verse 39, after some encouraging words from God once again from an angel, young Mary was able to say these timeless, well-known words that we all know. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm sure that wasn't her first thoughts. So as we look at this step, and we hear her words of acceptance right there, it brings us to that next step, and that is the acceptance step. And acceptance isn't always joyous, and it's not always accompanied by enthusiasm, is it? At times, this step can simply be saying, okay, God, have it your way. A lot of us have come into ministry like that. Because, like I said, you'll remain restless until you find your rest in him, as Augustine said. And I don't know about you, but I bet if, if I received that response from someone, I would likely be concerned. We don't really like to hear the words, okay, have it your way. If I was in a clergy meeting or a flight operations briefing tomorrow morning, and shared some, something that God prompted me to share with my colleagues, I probably wouldn't want to hear him, okay, have it your way. That's neither comforting and encouraging to any of us. This anxiety step here, though, when followed by acceptance, is a step in the right direction. God desires from us our obedience, and he will test us in our call to obedience. He's honored when we acknowledge his right to redirect our lives and our plans. Yes, acceptance isn't always good, though, when we walk into it to begin with. And it isn't always what God hopes to hear from his children. Because we can often be reluctant servants at times, can't we? Let's talk about that guy named Jonah. He said yes, didn't he? He eventually went to Nineveh, like God had asked him. But his heart sure wasn't in it until God revisited him. He got all in then, <laughs> in one sense for sure. For Mary, the angel 
revealed to her. And her willingness was revealed in her answer to the Lord. Her willingness to carry a baby not conceived by her husband, or not by Joseph at that time, was part of God's greatest plan. Mary was willing to go along with God's plan, even when the plan didn't make sense. And I'm sure there were many days that she questioned her involvement and the plan. Scripture doesn't record those conversations, but I'm quite sure there were some pretty good ones, and you probably could imagine how they went between her and Joseph and her and her parents. I guess initially Mary didn't have much reason to move from it into acceptance in God's plan. In fact, I imagine more than once she probably did some backsliding into anxiety. You ever been there? Mm-hmm. But as Scripture reveals, in the fullness of time, in the fullness of God's perfect time, Mary was able to move beyond anxiety to acceptance and then finally to the third step. And that is a step to thankful adoration. That's the same journey that we are often called to make when God calls us into anything. That's where we're going to end up. From anxiety, which is common, to acceptance, which is sometimes challenging, and then finally into adoration when you come to the realistic understanding that you are standing and you are serving right where God called you and placed you to be for your purpose. Once young Mary visited Elizabeth, and they discovered the supernatural connection between the two of them, the miraculous pregnancies that they had both encountered, things began to change rapidly. Somewhere after acceptance, probably after many painful discussions with those who didn't understand, her visit to Elizabeth brought things clearly into focus. Instead of condemnation, instead of insults, instead of piling additional shame and guilt on young Mary, Elizabeth was used by God to encourage her, saying these words. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth had a divine role, John the Baptist, but she also had a divine role to encourage this young woman. And you know what? That could be your calling, just to be an encourager. This guy behind this church is named after, that's what he did. And it's a great calling because everybody needs it from time to time. And at that moment, when Mary said those words, she finally fully got it. And once she did, she broke into song. And that is the beautiful song that we hear today, the Magnificat, that she sang and that we so love and cherish. Mary's words reflected all the Advent attributes that we discover in serving God that are represented by those candles. They represent hope, peace, joy, and love. And you will experience all of those things when you fully Walk into God's call for your life. The journey began with anxiety, moved to acceptance, and then to joyful adoration. Mary was able to sing praises for what once seemed an unbearable burden in her life. Does this journey sound familiar to yours? Is God calling you today to serve in some way? To take some journey with him that you neither anticipated or feel probably equipped to? Well, if so, welcome to the team. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And that means you. Friends, your journey and my journey, like Mary's, always begins with some anxiety.
always. But is that where you want to stay? Does anybody want to camp out on anxiety in your life? Well, you will until you step forward in your calling. How did Mary do that? How did she go from that place of fear and anxiety and confusion? Well, the same way we all do. It's a natural progression that we just heard said. But how does that all occur? How did it happen? How did she come to that place of adoration, of giving her life to God and praising him for this unbelievable, miraculous call? Well, the same way everybody does. Trust. It all comes down to trust, my friends. And as long as I'm breathing, you're going to hear me say the verse that I think is the most important one you'll ever learn and live into your life comes to you from Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But acknowledge your ways and acknowledge God, and he will direct your path. He'll direct your calling. You see, Mary was willing to say yes and trust in the Lord and take that first anxious step. I get it, man. Trust can be a very scary thing, especially if you never have had to trust in God. But you're going to have to at some point at the end of your life, right? Don't we all? When that happens, we often struggle emotionally, dealing with the feelings that God has somehow taken something from us when in reality, he is offering us something priceless. We may also have trouble struggling, in, struggling intellectually, trying to process opportunities when others around us say you're crazy to do that. And there are actually the chances to know God's truest, greatest blessings. And above all, they often bring spiritual struggles into our lives. We all want control in our lives, don't we? And we usually struggle with saying to God, Lord, your will be done. That never comes easy, does it? But if we'll place a little bit of trust in God's hands and give him a chance to use us, we can put the hardest step behind us and find that true calling and find the joy that we all seek on this side, your true purpose. Friends, that hope, peace, love, and joy that we all desire is only found in fulfilling our true purpose here. And that is, as you'll always hear me say, to serve and to love God. This morning... I want to close with this illustration that I think beautifully illustrates this very important truth today. While working as a journalist at the Chicago Tribune, a guy by the name of Lee Strobel was assigned to report on the struggles of an impoverished family the week before Christmas. Now, Strobel, at the time, was an atheist. But he still was intrigued by this family's joyful attitude in spite of their desperate, destitute condition. The Delgados, an elderly grandmother with her two granddaughters, had been burned out of their roach-infested home. They were living in a tiny two-room apartment on the west side of Chicago. When Strobel walked in that first day, he could not believe it. There was no furniture. Nothing on the walls, only a small kitchen table and a handful of rice. That was it. They were virtually devoid of any possessions. But despite their poverty, 
and her painful arthritis that kept the elderly woman from working, she still talked confidently about her deep faith and love of Jesus. She was convinced God had not abandoned them. Trouble never once sensed, he said, any despair or self-pity in their home, but instead a feeling of hope, peace, and love. Strobel completed his article and submitted it and moved on to his next assignment. But when Christmas Eve arrived, his thoughts drifted back to the Delgados and their unfailing trust, their unfailing trust in God's providence in their circumstances. In Strobel's words, and I quote, I continued to wrestle with the irony of their situation. Here was a family that had nothing but faith. Yet, they seemed happy. While I had everything that I needed materially, but lacked faith, and inside I felt as empty and as barren as their tiny apartment. Well, during a slow Christmas Eve news day later that week, Strobel decided to pay another visit to the Delgados. When he arrived, he was amazed at what he saw. The readers of his article had responded to the family's needs, filling the little apartment with donations. He said that once inside, he saw new furniture, new appliances, new clothes, a large Christmas tree, and a huge pile of presents, and a large amount of cash. But it wasn't the gifts that shocked Strobel in the middle of all this Christmas generosity. It was this humble family's response to those gifts. And in his words, and I quote once again, as surprised as I was by this outpouring, I was even more astonished by what my visit was interrupting, what his visit was interrupting. He said the grandmother and their granddaughters were getting ready to give away much of their newfound comfort and wealth. When Strobel asked the elderly woman why she was doing so, she said, well, many of our neighbors are still in need. We can't have plenty while they have nothing. That's what Jesus would want us to do. He said that blew him away. He said he asked a woman what she thought about the generosity of those who donated all this. To, and again, her response amazed him. This is wonderful, she said. It's very good. We did nothing to deserve this. It's all a gift from God. But then she added, it's not his greatest gift. We celebrate that tomorrow. That's Jesus. To her, the child in the manger was the undeserved gift that meant everything. He meant more than the material possessions that they had received and more than the comfort and security that came with them. Strobel said at that moment something in me desperately wanted to know this Jesus because I saw Jesus in this elderly woman and her granddaughters. He went on to say, they had peace despite poverty while I had anxiety despite plenty. They knew the joy of generosity while I knew the loneliness of ambition. They looked heavenly for hope while I looked out for myself. They knew the wonder of the spiritual while I was shackled to the shallowness of the material. And something in me at that moment 
made me long for what they had. Or more accurately, for the one they knew. That story appears in Strobel's book called The Case for Christmas. Brothers and sisters, when God interrupts our lives and redirects our paths, it's more important to watch for what he's doing through us than what he's doing to us. Mary got that. You see, young Mary was filled with awe and wonder that Almighty God could use her for his redemptive plan to save you out of her deep love. This morning, if I could give you one gift on this side of eternity, it would be the gift of trusting in God in your life. Trusting him for the call he makes in your life. Next year, you're going to have an opportunity in this church to answer a call. And you might have one this week. Or you might have one today. Step off the anxiety step and move forward to adoration. And know and understand what your purpose for being here is. Friends, as a fellow sojourner on this side, I want to assure you that the next leg of your unknown spiritual journey is always better than the last. And my prayer for you this Christmas is that you will humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord and trust him to work his perfect work in your life and through you. And at that moment, when you do that, you too can sing the song of Mary and say, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. That's what we get on this side. And that's the beauty and the promise of what we celebrate this week in these journeys that we're going to see in the next couple of times we come together. It starts, though, with you. And your first step through the anxiety to the acceptance of God's plan for your life, it will bless you and you will understand why you're here. So I wish you a Merry Christmas. May God always bless you as you are used to bless others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.